Good morning, good morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, welcome to, to our service. We welcome all of you. And this morning, I am continuing the series on the covenant. And uh, last week, uh, Pastor Christ have left us with uh, God making a covenant with Abraham. You know, the covenant was to bless Abraham, to make him a great nation, so that he can be a blessing to all the world. And then uh, God says that I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And today, the Israelites are in Egypt. They are under the power of Pharaoh, the taskmaster, after 400 over years, they were under a new dynasty of the pharaohs. This is actually the Middle Kingdom. The pharaoh who did not know Joseph, and they were oppressed. In fact, they were now cursed. Now, the Abrahamic covenant says that I will bless you, right? So God is going to come to rescue his people. And so the word Exodus, uh, you know, God is going to rescue them, take them out of sin, of death and of Satan. And that's what we're going to discover from the Word of God this morning. And you know, if you are my age, this is the Exodus that you remember. <laughs> I have to check up his name, you know. His name is Charlton Heston, right? <laughs> and he's now stretching out uh, with his, uh, looks like curtains to me, but actually it's his ropes. <laughs> And he's parting the Red Sea, right? It's amazing, amazing, uh, very iconic uh, picture. Exodus is iconic, it's a paradigm. Exodus is a paradigm in the Bible. We need to understand what this paradigm stands for because there are many, many Exoduses in the Bible. <laughs> it's a pattern, right? And D.A. Carson says that uh, Exodus is the greatest redemptive event in the Old Testament the greatest, and then it looks forward to another exodus. Uh, but if you are younger than me, uh, this is the exodus that you remember. <laughs> of course, uh, Moses was a prince of Egypt. He, he was rescued uh, from the Holocaust of being drowned by Pharaoh, and he was brought up by God's grace in Pharaoh's court, and he was trained as an Egyptian prince. So God uses Moses to rescue the Israelites from Pharaoh's slavery by taking them out. That's very important, out of Egypt. The deliverance, the exodus was only complete when they came out of Egypt into the promised land. I will not say anything about the promised land because I promised Pastor Chris Ho that he will preach on it next week. <laughs> So the word exodus comes from two Greek words. Ex means out and odos means uh, way. So it's the way out. It's the way out. Exodus is the way out. And now my question to you, it's not a trick question. It's an important question, right? How many exoduses was Moses involved in in the Bible, Right? Now, the story begins in Exodus 1, 
the slavery, and the people cried out in Exodus 2.23, the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and they cried out. You know, when you're groaning, the right thing to do is to cry out to God, right? They cried out to God, and then you look at verse 24 and 25, verses 24 and 25, you hear the amazing, you know, God is so amazing. He says, it says you know, sometimes we cry out to God, where are you, God? It says that God heard. God remembered. God saw. And God knew. You know, the whole being of God is involved when we cry out to Him. He not only heard, He saw. He saw what was happening. He remembered His covenant with Abraham. God is never forgetful of what He promised the ancestors of the Israelites. And God knew. God knew. God had a plan. God is a living God. God is a God with solutions, with answers. He knows what to do. You know, isn't that wonderful when you ask somebody, can you help me? And he says, I know what to do. So God knew what he was going to do. And here is a picture of the day in the office of uh, the Israelites. (laughs) Right? You know, the Egyptians, uh, you know, as I was researching this topic, I, I learned so much. Because the Egyptians left us a lot of records, and these were actually in the pyramids, in the temples that are still there today. And you see, they were making bricks for Pharaoh's uh, many building projects. They were not building the pyramids, they were making bricks for the buildings to store the stuff of the Pharaoh in the temple complexes and so on. And you can see that in the picture, they were, slave, they, they were slaves, and there are so many taskmasters beside them you know, beating them and so on, uh, you know, I hope this is not a picture of your office. Uh, and then you see that, uh, as I highlighted, you know, uh, 20 supervisors looking after one slave to make sure that you do your work. <laughs> you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, there's slavery in this world. Slavery of sin and death. When we are in sin and death, you know, Satan and his demons enslave us. We know that Pharaoh is a picture of Satan. Egypt is a picture of the world. You know, the, uh, Luke 4, 18, 19, Jesus said, The Spirit of God has anointed me to set the captives free, to proclaim the year of the Lord. Set, we are captives if we do not know Christ this morning. That's why it's such a privilege to be in the house of God to be loved by Him, to know that He has set us free from all these things. You know, Pharaoh ordered every newborn Israelite male to be drowned in the river Nile. It was an infanticide or genocide, a holocaust. It was not merely that they were slavering for the, for the whole of their lives to build the things that Pharaoh enjoyed. You know, the, the women was, were, were working the fields. But there was also killing of the next generation, to wipe you out from the planet Earth. You know, Jesus said, the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy a murderer from the beginning. God remembers His covenant. Isn't that fantastic? What is a covenant? A covenant is a contract between a greater power and a, and a smaller power, and the greater power protects the weaker ones. Uh, in exchange for obedience and service. 
And so the covenant between God and Israel, and so God calls Israel, my people, my people. And uh, he calls them my son, my firstborn son. You know, the Pharaoh is drowning all the firstborn son of the Israelites. And, and God says, Israel is my firstborn son. Yahweh is the God of Israel. So he's Israel king. So now he's obligated to do something because he made a covenant. So what did he do? I have no time to talk about Moses. But then, uh, you know, Moses was saved from the being drowned. That's the meaning of his name, to be rescued from the waters. And then uh, at the age of 80, uh, God sent him back from the desert, from exile. And he was to declare to Pharaoh, let my people go. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God's people can be under oppression, under bondage, Right? Now they are under bondage of Pharaoh. And then what did Pharaoh say? Who is Yahweh that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know who your God is. I will not let Israel go. So to Yahweh, to Pharaoh, who is this God of the slaves? If your God is so great, why are you slaves? Pharaoh's pride and stubbornness, there's a reason to it, because Pharaoh is also a god. Pharaoh is the living god of Egypt. He is, uh, is worshipped as a god. He's divine. He's the incarnation of all the gods of Egypt. So who is this god of the slaves? Who are you to challenge me? So there are thousands and thousands of gods and goddesses in Egypt. You know, they worship everything because the gods claim to control the whole of the created universe. They are taking over the role of the created god. They are the gods of the rivers, the sea, the sun, the insects, and so on. All this created by Yahweh, the living God. They have usurped the true and living God, right? And uh, you can see so many pictures that, uh, you know, here the god Anubis, who is the god of the underworld, is giving eternal life to Pharaoh. You can see in his left hand he is holding an ank, which is a symbol of eternal life and giving him power. You know, the breath of the, of the god is, is going into Pharaoh's nose and so on. Right? He's the living god. So, God... You know, Moses did not say, let my people go. It's Yahweh who says, let my people go. So God himself is going to free the Israelites from Pharaoh without the slaves having to fight. You know, there, are many, there were many, many slaves insurrection in history, but not many of them were successful. There was massacres because Pharaoh has got all the armies. He has got all the chariots. They are trained soldiers. He has got all the forts in Egypt that would not allow you to cross. That's why later we're going to discover that God is going to make a way that will bypass all the Egyptian forts. He's going to make them cross the Red Sea, right? It's going to be a spiritual warfare. God is going to tell Pharaoh that he's not a god, right? And look at uh, how 
God commissioned Moses. Isn't that amazing? You know, you've got to look at Moses. Moses is an amazing story. In Exodus 4, when he was still in the wilderness, God commissioned him. God met him in the burning bush and said, God says, I will give you power to perform miracles before Pharaoh. Isn't that amazing? And that's not all. In Exodus 7, you know, God is going to encourage Moses and said, See, behold, look, pay attention. I have made you God to Pharaoh. You know who said the same thing in the New Testament? He said it to us. That's Jesus Christ. He says that Mark 16, 17, 18, you know, in my name, go and, uh, you know, uh, cast out demons, heal the sick. Wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high so that you can perform great and mighty works. You'll do greater works because I go to the Father. You know, we are Moseses. We have greater power than Moses. We have the power of the risen Christ. And I have made you God. Luke ten nineteen. I have given you authority over all the powers of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. It's the same commission. God is consistent in Old Testament and New Testament. You are Moses. You know Moses called a man of God. You are men of God, women of God. He has clothed you with power so that you can challenge Pharaoh. And what did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh said, sure enough, prove to me that your God is greater than mine. Who are you to talk like that to the greatest king of kings of the, of the world? Pharaoh is called the king of kings. Lord of lords, right? Embodiment of God on earth. Never dies. That's why you have all the pyramids, right? Perform a miracle. Perform a miracle. Demonstrate the power of God in your life. You want to challenge me? And then God is going to do that. God is going to overthrow Pharaoh's power and all the gods of Egypt. So he chooses 10 plagues or 10 miraculous disasters, right? The 10 miraculous disasters that cover everything, you know, rivers, insects, animals, everything that pertains to the livelihood of the Egyptians and that is found in, in nature, right? The, you know, they worship everything, right? Everything's a God to them. You know, their, their livestock, you know, God is going to tell them, look, I am, I, am, I am the true God, not you. And I'm the one in charge of all this. I, even life and death is in my hands. Right? So they are called miraculous because it's a miracle. It's, the word miracle means an act of wonder or that, that when you see it, you glorify God. It's the power of God. It's miraculous because it comes from the power of God. And it's miraculous to the Israelites because none of them was affected by any of these disasters. However, if you were an Egyptian, if you were an Egyptian, it was disastrous for you. Everything that you hold dear and you think that your gods have given to you will be taken away from you. That's, that's the ten plagues. Right? So you look at them, the 10 miraculous disasters. Right? But I want to tell you that amazingly, Pharaoh, you know, Pharaoh, uh, as an embodiment of God, of the gods of Egypt, 
every day he must be worshipped to maintain what is called the ma'at or the, or the cosmic order. And then the gods will give him a power called Heka, which is a supernatural power. And his magicians have this. The Bible tells us the magical arts. And the Bible tells us the, that, you know, uh, Pharaoh's magicians could replicate. You know, how much power does it take to turn the river now into blood, you know? I don't know whether when the magicians whom Paul mentioned, Paul gave their names in 2 Timothy, I think 3 or 2, as Janus and Jambres. I don't know whether when they replicated these two miracles, the Egyptians got it twice. <laughs> because it's not going to affect the Israelites, right? But then when it comes to the third, so I want to let you know that Satan and his demons have considerable supernatural power given to them because they were created as God's angels, right, with power, with supernatural power. They can perform supernatural deeds. In fact, Satan took Jesus up the high mountain from the desert and took him to the temple as well, right? You can read that in Luke 4 and Matthew 4. The Bible calls them lying signs and wonders. They are to deceive us to think that they are God's. But their powers, of course, is the created power. It's not God's power. So, in the ten plagues, the ten miraculous disasters, God destroyed the powers of the gods. But I want you to, to look at what's happening, and, and this is uh, something for us to know, that after the, 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 the third plague, the third miraculous disaster, Pharaoh conceded that he was defeated. And then he made four compromises throughout the, 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 the next uh, six uh, uh, disasters. Each time he faced a disaster, he faced defeat, he tried to make a compromise. So the first compromise he made is that he told Moses, you and your people can worship God, but do it within Egypt. Sounds familiar? Then the second one, he says that you can go a bit further, you can go to the wilderness, but not very far away. Then the third compromise, he said, oh, leave your children behind. Oh, you, you, you guys, you can go and worship your Yahweh. But no, don't worry about your, you know, leave them in Egypt. Leave them, leave them under my power. And then the fourth one, you know, leave your livestock, your lifestyle. Right, behind. Wow. You know, this is the Old Testament. The compromises are the same today. Satan is telling us, well, worship God, you know, but be, remain in the world. You know? Don't get too serious. Don't get too serious, right? Or if you want to be a bit more uh, adventurous and uh, go to the desert, make a little bit more sacrifice, but don't go too far. Don't go, don't walk with God so seriously, right? Yeah, don't take your Christian faith so seriously. Remain in the world, you know, enjoy the good things of the world. Oh, don't worry about your family, you know. Oh, yeah, just let them grow up in the world, you know, in the schools. Uh, let the internet uh, 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 nurture your children, you know. Let them find out everything from the internet and not from you, not from the Word of God. Oh, your lifestyle, you know, Monday to Friday, you can be just like everybody else, right? <laughs> just come to church on Sunday. You know, it's there in the Old Testament. 
Right? It's there in the Old Testament. And then in the tenth plague, what did God do? God provided, God instituted the Passover feast. What is the Passover? It means that when God sees the blood of the lamb smeared on the lintels and the doorposts, he's going to pass over that house. That whole house is going to be spared from death. Passover. But you know, Passover, you know, Passover is not Exodus. Right? The Israelites were still within Egypt. God has uh, passed over. God has, uh, has uh, destroyed all the firstborn of the Egyptians and the livestock. The Israelites were spared. But that's not the Exodus, right? Because they were in, in, in Egypt. The Exodus happens when God... You know, I told you I've been looking at some... You know, the, the, the research today, the archaeological research is fantastic. Right? They discovered that uh, the Israelites could not escape to the land route because there were three forts there. And the Bible talks about them. So God took them to what's called the Yamsuf, which is translated Red Sea. Some people think it's Red Sea, R-E-E-D. And now they are close to discovering, uh, uh, the archaeologists, uh, which sea it was. And, Moses, and God told Moses, you know, in, in front of that sea, in front of that lake, to part the waters. God's going to show the Israelites and the Egyptians that his deliverance is going to be a miraculous deliverance. It's not going to be a man-made deliverance. It's not Moses leading them out of the normal route, the trading route in the north. And the Red Sea was parted. The Israelites walked over as a dry land. And Pharaoh, you know, you, you can celebrate the Passover uh, be, be delivered from sin and death, but there's a devil that's going to go after you to make sure that you don't get out of his kingdom. That's what it means here. So when Pharaoh and his uh, army uh, pursued the Israelites, went through into the, into, the depth, into the middle of the sea, God caused the waters to cover them. And then, uh, you know, the Song of Moses, the greatest uh, song uh, in the Old Testament, the song of uh, Moses, Exodus 15. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider, Pharaoh, he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is God, Yahweh is God. You know, Pharaoh said, who is God? Now who is Yahweh? Who is Yahweh? Now who is Pharaoh? Pharaoh is thrown into the sea. He has gone to the depths of hell because he challenged God. And then uh, Moses says, my father is God. Remember the covenant. I will exalt him. I will praise him. My God is a warrior. You know, when Jesus, in the gospel of Mark, when he first preached the gospel, he went to the synagogue and he told the Pharaoh's servant, Satan's demons, get out of that man. My God is a warrior. My God is a warrior. 
But I want you to know, brothers and sisters in Christ, the tenth plague is a separate event from the crossing of the Red Sea. There are two events. You know, Pharaoh can be defeated, but he's still alive. He pursues the Israelites. Only when they crossed the Red Sea were they totally free. They were delivered from the kingdom of darkness and translated in the marvelous kingdom of his son. Amen. So I come back to the question, how many exoduses was Moses involved in in the Bible? Right. Okay, the answer is in Luke chapter 9. Verse 30 and 31. And this is the famous episode of the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, of Jesus revealed his glory. Jesus went up the mountain with three of disciples, and then the Bible tells us that suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared in glory and spoke of his departure. The Greek word is Exodus. They were speaking to Jesus about his exodus, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. What is the exodus of Jesus? Jesus said, it is necessary that I go to Jerusalem and be killed and three days rise from the dead. The exodus of Jesus is his death and resurrection. And we're going to look at the exodus of Jesus in a moment. But look at Moses, you know. We always made fun of Moses because at the burning bush incident, he asked to see God's glory. And all God showed him was him passing by. And then we thought that, oh, that's it, you know, poor Moses. But you know that Moses in the Sinai desert spoke to God face to face. So much so that the glory of God was transferred to him and he had to wear a veil. And here, he is appearing in glory in full glory. My brothers and sisters of God, uh, Christ, Moses is called a man of God in the Bible. So many times a man of God, men and women of God. You know what Paul tells us? Look, we are transformed by looking at the face of Jesus Christ, transformed by his glory. Here was a man of God, transformed by the glory of God. And he has come back after 1,200 years. Stop dead. And he's talking to Jesus Christ. Wow, Jesus Christ is going to accomplish the true exodus for the whole universe. And who was Jesus talking to? He was talking to Moses and Elijah. You know, the person, the man, the woman who does the will of God lives forever. Amen. There is a post-mortem ministry for all of us. I was so encouraged when I discovered this. I thought that I'm going to retire in three years' time, you know. And that's it. You know, we never retire. We are transformed from glory to glory. You know, my brothers and sisters of Christ, if you hear the, the, the voice of God telling you to give up your life, to believe in Jesus, well, you know, don't think there is a sacrifice. God is calling you to glory. And I have Moses and Elijah to prove it. I believe that when I die and I leave this planet Earth, I will meet Jesus and I will still be serving Him and being loved by Him. Isn't that amazing? That's your destiny. That's why you're here in the house of God. 
to hear the good news. It's an incredible news. I tell you, there's nothing like the Bible. You know, I told you that I studied literature and philosophy. Nothing like the Bible. And this is such an encouragement to all of us here who are serving God, right? People say, wow, God served God, a salary not enough and all that, you know? Right? Enough glory for you, amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So those of you, right, you, you better listen this morning, right? Don't miss your glory, okay? Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I'm not one to ask you to clap, but so... The reason is because I'm an introvert. So every time Pastor Chris said, turn around to your neighbor, that's not me. Right? So the introvert among us can relax. Huh? All right. Isn't that amazing? Here he is, talking to Jesus about the greatest event in the whole of the universe, right? history of the universe. Don't you want to be there? But unfortunately, nothing of it was recorded because the three fellas fell asleep, right? <laughs> right? Or they were blinded by the glory of God, okay? So what is the exodus of Jesus Christ? This is the exodus of Jesus Christ. Right? Sorry. When Jesus died on the cross, he's the Lamb of God. Right? The Passover Lamb. But that's not all. He's also the Red Sea. Right? Because he disarmed principalities. You know, when the Israelites crossed over the Red Sea, they were looking back and they see Pharaoh being drowned. You know, 10 minutes ago, Pharaoh was such an overwhelming, powerful force in their lives that have enslaved them all their lives. And now they are rendered powerless. That's what the cross does to us. You know, the demons in our lives, Satan frightening us, telling us to worship them, to obey them, telling us lies. He's the liar and father of lies. The first lie he told was, you will become gods. You will have fantastic life if you don't, if you don't trust God, the real God. You can be your own God. The first lie he told. And many of us are still in that lie. If you're not in the world, you're not going to succeed in life. If you don't get a good education, you're not going to succeed in life. You know, don't be so serious about Christian life. You're losing out. These are the lies he continues to tell us, right? You know, the Israelites, looking back, where is Pharaoh and his army? Gone. That's what the cross does. You know, all, you know, that's what Jesus Christ said, right? All the powers of the enemy. And nothing will hurt you. The covenant. The covenant. The exodus of Moses, God remembers his covenant and provided the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb is to deal with sin and death. It is to deal with our sin against God. Right? When we, God says, if you sin against me to Adam, our first ancestors, Adam and Eve, you will die. Sin brings death. The Passover deals with the wrath of God. Right? But then you see, Adam and Eve sold themselves to the slavery of the devil. So the... So the, the, the Red Sea is a symbol of deliverance from Pharaoh. The wrath of Pharaoh 
The Bible says, you know, the time is short in the last days and the wrath of the devil is great. You need to be delivered from the wrath of the devil to the Red Sea. This is what the new covenant does as well. The blood of Jesus Christ, right? Everyone who believes, you know, the new, the new covenant which we're going to celebrate afterwards, right? The new covenant. What is the new covenant? The new covenant is the covenant that God made with, with His Son. And it is available to all who believes. Salvation, right? New covenant in the blood of Jesus, right? Anyone who, everyone who turns to Jesus in faith will receive the covenant blessing of the Passover lamb. That's number one. The wrath of God passing over us. But there's the wrath of Satan. So, you know, I didn't know this. You know, I, was, I grew up in a Christian family. I, I, I gave my life to Christ, born again at the age of 17. But from the age of 17 to 40, nobody told me about the wrath, about Pharaoh, about Egypt, about the need to cross the Red Sea. It was only at the age of 40, which I preached in uh, August 28 last year, that I discovered it. And then as I look back, my 23 years was full of struggles. I was a frontliner. I, I, I was serving God. I went to seminary. They told me, oh, you know, in the age of electricity and all that, don't believe in this devil, you know. Nobody told me. Nobody. And I believe that there are many, so many frontline people, pastors, who think that spiritual warfare is not for them. You know, I got a, a bishop who told me, uh, who poo-pooed all these things about spiritual warfare. In a, in, in a conference with, with some pastors. And then when, when his church members got into trouble, he called me. Right? Don't call me. What are you doing? You are a frontliner. Right? So today when we preach the gospel to people, we never talk about seriously about the devil. And so people don't know. They think there's a salvation from sin and death. Right? You must tell them that God's going to set you free from the powers of the evil one, you know, so that they can have the full experience of exodus. So brothers and sisters in Christ, full salvation, full exodus is not only the deliverance of the wrath of God through the blood of the Lamb, but it's also deliverance from the wrath of the evil one through the parting of the Red Sea, right? Amen? So please preach the full gospel today, right? I mean, I thank God that in this church we have the the Power Encounter Weekend, we have the Inner Healing and Deliverance, but we have kind of put it as a sub-ministry, like kind of, uh, you know, if you need it, then you go for it, but it's not important. But I want to tell you, how can you divide the cross of Jesus to say that, okay, we'll talk about the, the Passover, but then the defeat of the evil one, we don't talk about it too much. You know, the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come. You know, if I, by the finger of God, cast out demons, the, ki the, the kingdom of God has come upon you. You know, Janus and Jambres, at the third miracle, the third miraculous disaster, they say, this is the finger of God. Right? Let your kingdom come. Then what do we say? Forgive us our sins, right? Then you stop there. There's another one. Deliver us from the evil one. Amen? All right, so remember, right, salvation. So please, brothers and sisters in Christ, preach the full gospel. 
and demonstrate that power. Amen? If you have not gone into becoming a Moses, take the staff of Moses in your hands, right? Take the power that God has given you. Jesus Christ said to us, Behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. Not some, all, right? So, firstly, we need to be delivered from sin and death and Satan. Then after that, we need to be empowered. You see, the gospel is the same in the Old Testament and in the New. So this morning, I hope that the Exodus event will, will concretize for you what salvation means for you. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You believe that the same God of the Exodus is here? I'm going to close with a prayer. I'm going to lead us in prayer. You know, maybe you only know about the Passover land. You are still in Egypt. You are still in Egypt. Right? You have gone to worship God, but within Egypt. Maybe you have gone a little bit further into the wilderness, but not very far away. Right? Your family is in bondage. You couldn't reach out to them. It's so hard to talk to my father. It's so hard to talk to my mother. They're under bondage. So you say, never mind, let them worship their own gods, you know. I'll come to church on Sunday. Or in your in a working place, right? You are you're following the lifestyle of the world. You need to get the evil one out of your life. You need to come out of Egypt and get Egypt out of you. There's a saying you can take. Uh, he's, he was in, in uh, uh, Pastor Crystal was in, uh, in Tasmania where they have farms, right? So there's a saying, you can take the f- boy out of the farm, <laughs> but you also have to get the farm out of the boy, right? Amen? You've got to get Egypt out of you. Amen? And today, if that's your prayer, we're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, reveal to us your full glory. Reveal the glory of your salvation. Lord, not only did you provide the Passover land, you led your people through the Red Sea. Through, you delivered them from the powers of sin and death and also the power of the evil one. And then you empowered them. So this morning, Father, may we receive your full salvation. And I pray, Father, that we will have such an encounter with you, Lord. We will be so empowered by you. Lord, we will have power from on high. We have authority of your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord, to destroy the works of the evil one so that we can be like Jesus, Lord, whom God anointed with power, who went about everywhere healing all those who are oppressed by the evil one. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.